The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were there talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Father God, I just want to thank you for um, Grace City and everybody here, all the leaders, the pastors, and just um, I, want, I, I want to pray that everybody here goes in to this season of Advent with um, gratefulness and just being thankful for everything that you've done for us. Um, help us understand that we do not need anything because we have all that we need and just um, help us not worry about how to spend our money, but how to spend our time with the loved ones this season and just to realize that you've given us more than we could ever ask for and without Jesus there would be no Christmas um, so I just pray that we stay focused on you this season in Jesus name I pray amen all right, good morning. Uh, welcome to Grace City. My name is Randall, and I'm one of the pastors. If this is your first time, uh, we are glad you are here joining us during this Advent season. And, uh, you know, we're starting a new series right now called Jesus in Every Story. I thought that was a great way to set up what we're going to be talking about because um, what, what this is 
is when you look at the Bible, uh, 66 books, 39, what we call Old Testament, um, would be more accurate just to say the Hebrew Scriptures, right? Or the 27 New Testament books, 66 in total. Uh, Jesus doesn't just enter into the story in the New Testament, but he's all through the Bible. And Charles Dickens once said this, he says, the New Testament is the very best book that ever was or ever will be known in the world. And he's, he's right in that. But what we find and what we discover is that the Old Testament has Jesus just as much as the New Testament. See, Jesus is all throughout Scripture. And I didn't grow up in the church, and, and so for me, learning the Bible and learning what the Bible was and learning all the different books of the Bible, I, I, I didn't know this for the longest time. I did not know that Jesus was all throughout Scripture. And so I want to invite you into knowing that because it's one of the most beautiful things that I've found in the Bible is that when, this, when, when you see Jesus, your heart just starts to explode. And, and what we see in the passage that we're going to be going through today is the, the people who, who are walking along the road and, and Jesus opens up the scriptures to them. He starts to show them that he, he's right there in the middle of it. Their hearts just explode. It says that their hearts just burned within them. And I want that same thing to happen to my heart. See, this series is all about Jesus and, and, and all of Scripture. And, and like we said, Advent season. Um, it, again, if you're new into the, the church and the church world, you know, Advent season is just really this time of anticipation, of humility. And, and one of my prayers for us as a church as we go into this is just to be humble and just to say, okay, God, what are you trying to, to teach me through this? I want to hear from you. It's almost like Lent season going into Easter, right? It's like this contemplative time where you're, you're thinking and you're, you're saying, okay, here's what's going on in life right now. It's hard to do that, though, in this season, isn't it? I mean, it's so loud. It's so busy. There's so much going on. But that's my prayer. That's my hope is that uh, we understand that Jesus came, right, the first time, and there was an anticipation, but he's also coming again. There is a second coming. And we right now, just like the people waiting for Jesus, are in this time of waiting. We're waiting for him, for all things to go into his direction and, and to be made right. So we're in the already but not yet kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, in my house, we are in the already but not yet part of uh, this season. And so right after Thanksgiving, uh, one of the things that's like our family tradition is to uh, do the Christmas decorations and watch holiday movies and bake cookies, and it's a really fun time. And so right after Thanksgiving's done, we get all of the Christmas decorations out. We get all the tree up. It looks beautiful. Everything's set. And then my daughter comes to me. She says, Daddy, we're missing something. I said, what are you talking about? She says, we're missing the presents. We are missing the presents. Daddy, you forgot the presents. Where are the presents at? And uh, that's what this is, isn't it? It's like we, we've got, we're like waiting. We are anticipating. We're all like set up, ready. Where's the present? And what we find from the Bible is that the present is God. The present is God himself. And just like my kids are waiting for the presents on Christmas Day, 
Let's be honest. Is your heart anticipating and waiting for Jesus like that? Are you expectant waiting for God to come into your life like that? Because I'll be honest, many times my heart's not there. My heart's not there. You're like, you're the pastor, you should be there. It's not there. But it's, it's like confessing it, saying, yes, it's not there, but I want it to be there. And that's what this passage today is about. It is about people in Luke 24, 13 through 35, who their heart was not there. It wasn't ready. They, they thought there was something that was supposed to happen, but they didn't see it for what it was. And it was right in front of them. And so our message today is Jesus is the story. Jesus is the story. And, uh, and my question as, as we start this message is, what do you anticipate the most about this season? What do you anticipate the most about this season? Because for many of us, the anticipation is filled with shopping, right? Black Friday deals. Anybody get some good deals out there? Maybe, not so much. Um, <laughs> We're not as outspoken about it because we're probably shopping online, aren't we? It's like nobody knows, but we're all shopping online because, I don't know if you know this, but online shopping surpassed $5 billion this, this week. That's the highest it's ever been. $5 billion online, uh, just people on their couch buying things. And... Um, that's happening right now in our world. You know, you, are you anticipating the, the Christmas music, uh, the movies, old favorites? Uh, is it family visits, time with family? Maybe it's your fi uh, favorite drink at your local coffee shop that, that comes out only seasonally. So you're like, oh, it's back. Great. Short time. I've been anticipating this all year. Um, you know, what is it for you? What is it for you? Because if we're honest, um, let's talk about what those feelings and, and what this season really produces. A lot of it is anxiety-filled shopping lists, financial stresses and pressures, right? Maybe it brings up sad memories of a, a time gone by, unmet expectations about what this season is. There's a Psychology Today article from 2010 called Why People Get Depressed at Christmas. And here's what the contributor Ray Williams says. He says, we are told that Christmas for Christians should be the happiest time of year. An opportunity to be joyful, grateful with family, friends, and colleagues. Yet, according to the National Institute of Health, Christmas is the time of year that people experience a high incidence of depression. Hospitals and police officers report high incidences of suicide and attempted suicide. Psychiatrists, psychologists, and other mental health professionals report a significant increase in patient com uh, patients complaining about depression. One North American survey reported that 45% of respondents dreaded the festive season. 45%. Is that you? Right, so wherever you're at, if you're like excited, because for me, I'm, I'm excited, Christmas music, great. Or if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're not excited about this season, is there something to be excited about? Is there something to anticipate? Because here's the reason he, he gives in this article for the depression. Unrealistic expectations and excessive self-reflection. Unrealistic expectations, excessive self-reflection. 
And what we find in this scripture are two men who are depressed because of unmet expectations and what they're in the middle of is excessive self-reflection. That's what they're doing right here in this scripture. And Jesus comes into the picture. Jesus meets them right where they're at. And he gives them exactly what they needed because their hearts needed to be redirected. And so how does Jesus redirect the hearts of unfulfilled people? Because let's be honest. Are we as fulfilled as we thought we were going to be and as we anticipated to be at the end of the season as what we thought we were going to be at the beginning of the season? Jesus wants to fill our hearts with something that will fill us for the long haul. And so the text is Luke 24, 13 through 35. And I'm not going to go through every scripture, but I'm really going to bring out some of what this, this text is talking about. And in this text today, Jesus shines the light in three areas um, of the, what these guys are going through and really what we need to hear. And so he reveals the misunderstanding, the missing piece, and the moment. The misunderstanding, the missing piece, and the moment. And so if you're taking notes today, that's, that's all three up front. And we're going to start with the first one, the misunderstanding. And so what you're going to see is it starts in verses 17 through 19. And so here's what it says, verses, starting verse 17. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor of, uh, to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? Now, for me, I think this is one of the funniest interactions that you'll find in Scripture. So you've got these two guys walking down the road uh, on their way to Emmaus, right? The road to Emmaus. And they're having this interaction with Jesus but they're talking about Jesus, right? So they're talking about like Jesus and what had happened and how he lived and been crucified and all of these things that they didn't know what to think of it. And Jesus hears them, jumps into the conversation and asks them, what are you talking about? What's going on? And they look at him funny because they didn't recognize him, right? Glorified Jesus. They didn't recognize him, so they look at him and they said, are you new here? <laughs> Basically, the way that they, they, they like in modern day interpretation, are, are, have you been living under a rock? You're, are you the only person who does not know what's happening here in Jerusalem? And Jesus' response is, well, um, what are you talking about? What, what things? What, what's going on? And the reason Jesus does this is first he jumps into their conversation just to say like, okay, what are you talking about? And to, to really reel them in. But also he asks them, he says, what things to, to direct them, to redirect their conversation. Jesus is very intentional here in this conversation. Now he could have left it, right? He could have let them talk and keep going down the road. But Jesus, and the reason we have this in Scripture is because Jesus is jumping in to teach them something. And the reason he's teaching them is so that he could teach us too. 
Because many of us need to be redirected in the way that Jesus is about to do this. This is what we need to know. Jesus always pushes us toward the deeper life. These guys were ready to stay on the surface. They were ready to talk about gossip and what was going on in their community. Jesus is pressing them on this and saying, no, 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 you're you're not going deep enough into this. I'm gonna press you to talk about things that that are a lot deeper than what you're willing to talk about right now. See, because what happens is, as Jesus starts to press, the unmet expectations and misunderstandings start to come out. And so what we find is, when you look at verse 21, one of the major misunderstandings comes out. Here's what they say about Jesus. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We, would, we hoped that he was going to do this for us. See, because what, this comes, what comes out of it, them is they were looking for Jesus to redeem them from their enemy Rome. But what Jesus came to do was to redeem them from their greater enemy, sin and death. See, they, they had this expectation that was very shallow. It was very temporary. Jesus is saying, I want to free you from something that was greater. That, that's more of a threat to you than what you're willing to admit right now. That's a bigger enemy in your life than what you see. See, they said, we had hoped. What is it that you hoped Jesus would do for you? Well, what is it that, that you think, well, Jesus, you, you, here's what you should have done because in that, this, this relationship should have worked this way instead of the way it did. For some of us, we say, well, maybe it's, Jesus, I, I thought I'd be a lot more successful by this point. Things would have been a lot better if I were further along in my career and made more progress than I have. Jesus, I hoped you would have come through on that. Jesus, maybe I would have just had a little bit more stability than I do right now. All I'm asking for Jesus is just stability. That's what I would have hoped for from you. Because this word redeem is it's the word we use for salvation. I thought this was going to be the thing that was going to save me. See, right now, some of us think it's that relationship that was going to save us. Some of us think it's that success that was going to save us. Some of us think it's that stability that was going to save us. And what Jesus came to correct is, no, none of those things are going to save you. See, ultimately, this is very personal. In their perspective, they thought that Israel needed to be saved. They didn't realize that they needed to be saved. They thought that Israel was lost. They didn't realize that they were lost. What they had hoped for and what they needed were two different things. We must first see what these guys needed to see is that they were lost. They were lost. And so in that moment, this needed to be something that washed over them, and it wasn't. See, before we 
go into anything, we need to understand that because everything else is temporary. It all is. It doesn't last. And so if we're willing to come to him and say, I'm lost, that's the first step. See, it's the great misunderstanding that everything's okay. Everything's okay, and it's not. And many of us go into this season thinking, well, everything's okay. (laughs) Or it's gonna be okay after the season's done, right? The really optimistic side, but then the pessimistic side is like, things aren't ever gonna be better. And Jesus is coming in saying, I can change that. I can change it. But you gotta reorient where you're putting your hope. And so there is a major misunderstanding there for these guys. And so next, uh, after the misunderstanding, we get, secondly, the missing piece. The missing piece that they they were looking for. And so uh, this is found in verses 25 through 27. So Jesus says this to them. This is is crazy. So he says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Look at, look at verse 25. He, he starts by addressing why they're depressed. And what he says is they were slow to believe. They were slow to believe. They, they, were, they were believing things more than they were believing the thing that was the truest thing that they should have believed. Do you realize that most of our hangups in our life are gospel fractures, things that we're believing, areas where we're believing the wrong things. And what I mean by that is, okay, th- God has given us good news, yet we don't want to hear that. We want to go with other things. We don't want to believe what he says. We don't even know what he says. We believe the, the, the wrong thinking that goes on in our minds. See, many of us wake up, and we've got these terrible thoughts that go through our mind. You're not good enough, you're ugly, you're stupid, all of these thoughts. We wake up with that. And here's the problem, we listen to it. And, and what Jesus is saying is you're, you're believing some wrong things here and it's time to start speaking back to those things, things that are true. Because what was not true was that these guys were believing that Jesus was still dead. And he's standing right next to them, talking to them. And they're discussing and wanting to argue about the resurrection to the resurrected Jesus. See, how many times do we do this same thing where we get caught up into this madness of speaking back to God and saying, well, God, I'm just not good enough. I'm ugly, I'm terrible, I'm all these things. When Jesus says, no, I died for you. And because I've died for you, I've given you value that you did not have on your own. See, what does Jesus do when these guys start conversating and saying these things to him like he doesn't know about his own resurrection? Well, here's what he does. He starts with the scriptures. He starts with the scriptures. Do do, do you see it? It says that um, 
he says, oh foolish ones, but then he says, um, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures. So he starts with this. Now, really what he started with is like this, right here. See, the scriptures that Jesus was interpreting was the 39, not the 27. It was the, what we call Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures that he's interpreting. And, and this word interpret is he's expounding it. It's unfolding the meaning of what it said. Some of you are like, well, why, why Grace City, are you guys going through the book of John? Why, why, are you, like, why do you preach verse by verse? Because it's, it's expounding the text. It's bringing out the beauties of the text. And so that's what we're doing today. Is we, and, and, and here's the deal. You read the Bible like that, don't you? I mean, you read it in sections and you break it down. And so that's what we do. And so that, that's my hope is that as we read Scripture, as we break down Scripture together, that you're expounding the text too in your personal time with the Lord, okay? And so that's what Jesus is doing with these guys. Here's he expounding the text. Because then what happens is you start seeing the scriptures and Jesus in all of it. Because what Jesus does is he points to himself. And it's almost like an Easter egg hunt because what he does is he's just going through the Old Testament here and he's saying, there I am, 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 there I am. Uh, Robert Stein says about this, he says, Jesus did not designate which prophets or where these prophets spoke of him. For Jesus and the evangelists, all the prophets everywhere spoke of him. When I talk about the Bible is all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. It is. Timothy Keller writes, he says, the law is about Jesus, how he fulfilled it. The temple is about Jesus. He's the temple. Every hero is about Jesus. He's the hero behind all heroes. He's the prophet behind all prophets. He's the priest behind all priests. He's the king behind all kings. He's at the bottom of every story. In fact, you can even go out of the Bible. Every good story is about Jesus. What do you think the Lion King is about? What do you think Robin Hood is about? What do you think Frodo is about? Every good story is about Jesus, and you know that when you see it. And to the degree, the degree you see it, your heart will ignite. I remember when I was talking to my friend. I, I was watching Wreck-It Ralph. And you're like, okay, why are we watching? I have three kids. So Wreck-It Ralph and... It's a great movie. But I'm watching it, and I'm like, by the end of it, I'm in tears. Why? Why are you crying? At because I didn't just see Wreck-It Ralph. I saw Jesus. Okay. You're like, how is that possible? Okay, so you got this guy who, who goes out there who sacrifices himself for the good of many. Right? The willing to die for the good of many. I see it all the time. It, to the point where my friend was like, he's just, he's just crazy. Uh, my friend Grant, but he's, he's like, dude, I saw Wreck-It Ralph. I saw Jesus in it. I saw it. It's the gospel, man. It's so much the gospel. And you're like, what? Like, 
I see it too. And that's why I cry in these movies, man. It's not because I think, oh, a great story, whatever. I, I really do. See, when you start to find Jesus, or better put, when he finds you, he unlocks everything else in the Bible and in life. He really does. See, the Bible will stop being a rule book and a nice piece of literature and start becoming God's word to you as you see Jesus. Because what Jesus is is the missing piece. He's the missing piece. Because the Bible starts to become full of good news when you see Jesus. If, if you don't have Jesus and you start reading the Bible, here's what will happen. You'll look at it as a rule book. And, and what, what has happened today in our modern society is that we use this book as just this moral rule book. It, it, and, and so that's why every week you will hear me preach Christ. This will be about Jesus every time because that's what you'll find every time in the scriptures. It's all about him. And then you'll read across New Testament book, uh, scriptures like this, Jude 1.5. It says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Jude, back here, one, one chapter. I remember when I, I f- saw this verse, and I just was like, I fell out of my chair. I was like, hold on. He's telling you, see, now I remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, when did Jesus go to Egypt and save people out of Egypt? Oh, back here in Exodus? Hold on, he was there? He saved a people out of Egypt? Yeah, he was there. He did it. He's the hero. And that's what Jesus is doing as he's expounding to these men as he's going through and again, look, looking through it and saying, there I am, there I am, there I am. He's the hero. And then the moment happens for them. And so this is the third point. The moment uh, you'll find in verses 28 through 32. It says, So they drew near to the village to which they were going. I love this. He acted as if he were going uh, further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So they're walking along, and they're walking towards where they were going, and Jesus just keeps walking. Jesus, we want you to come with us. Come over here. We really, we really like talking with you, and we don't even know you're Jesus yet. Come hang out with us. You've got a lot of really great things to say. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did our hearts not, uh, did our heart, did not our hearts burn within us 
while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures. The moment. When was the moment for these men? Many of us would look to uh, verses 30 and 31 and say, well, it looks like their eyes were open in verse 31. They were hanging out eating bread with Jesus, and then he vanished, and it was like, oh, wow, it was Jesus. No, the moment for them was verse 32. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? See, everything they talked about had become reality in a moment. Everything that they believed, right? Like, oh man, he... We heard that he had risen from the dead. We, we, we heard that he, he was the son of God. We heard all of these things. Like all of it became reality for them in a moment. When did their hearts start to burn within them? When they opened up the scriptures. What gives you and I hope today? Because here's the thing. I haven't eaten a meal with Jesus. I haven't walked down that road with Jesus and done a Bible study with him as much as I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to hear Jesus talking about the scriptures and expounding because he could do a better job than any of us could, right? So he's breaking down the scriptures. I wish I could be in that Bible study, but I'm not. When did the moment happen? It's when he opened it up and showed them he was all through this. That's something that you and I can do. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We can sit down with God's word and it doesn't have to be this old, dusty book on the shelf anymore, but it could be something that we open up and what could happen Test, test. All right. Our hearts could start to become alive. And so all of us need this moment. All of us need it. A secular therapist and author, Rollo May, tells in his book, My Quest for Beauty, about a time when he visited this Greek Orthodox monastery and they were celebrating Easter. He had recently been uh, recovering from a nervous breakdown and at the height of this Easter service that he was sitting in on, uh, they began to chant, Christ is risen. Christ is risen. And so as he was sitting there, he started to say, Christ is risen. And here's what he says next. He says, I was seized then by a moment of spiritual reality. What, it would, what would it mean for our world if he had truly risen? What would it mean for you and for me? Now, this is a non-believer sitting in a service chanting, Christ is risen. See, the moment is when we realize it's true. 
It's all true. It's like, um, you know, in The Force Awakens, Star Wars, Episode 7, when Ray, really the main character, says, Luke Skywalker, I thought he was a myth. And then Han Solo says, it's true. The Force, the Jedi, all of it, it's all true. And you've got these young bucks who are sitting there like, what? It's real? And what these men are experiencing is it's all true. Jesus died. He rose again. He came for us. He came to rescue us. Their hearts started to burn. So I'm going to give you three takeaways really quickly as we finish up. The first one is this. We need a person, not an argument. We need a person, not an argument. And so what we find is that these men at the beginning, they were ready to argue and explain. Do you, as you look at this, how much listening were they doing in this passage at the beginning? Not much. They were ready to put Jesus in his place, basically. <laughs> Hold on, you haven't heard about these things? Right, so they were ready to argue. They were ready to explain. But here's the thing. God didn't send you and me a perfect argument or even explanation. He sent us a perfect person. I'm going to let you sit on that for a minute. Because some of us in here today are wrestling with God, whether we believe in God or not, and saying, well, I just need a perfect explanation for all this. And, and here's the deal. I, I'm a pastor. I don't have every explanation. But I know it's true. Because the thing I can't get around is the perfect person, Jesus. It's a person. He came. He embodied everything that we need to know. Because there will be things that you and I can't understand. And many times we're looking for an argument or an explanation instead of a person. And we do that even when we come to the Bible. Well, how can I prove this? Or how can I disprove this? Or how can I explain this to somebody else? Just look for Jesus. And Jesus will equip you for what you need to know and what you need to do. Because he's screaming out for you to look at him. Just like he did to these two guys. He's screaming out. Look at me. See me. I'm all through the scripture. The next one is we need a heart check. How does this happen? Well, how did it happen for these guys? Um, Jesus says, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now, I don't know about you, but what's your picture of Jesus? Do you picture Jesus calling them fools? Saying, hey, you're slow to believe. Do, do we have that visual that Jesus can say those types of things? Because he did. And so how does this happen for us in our lives? Sometimes it's through rebuke, right? Like, hey, you're really being foolish right now. You're not seeing the truth, right? And so he speaks that to our hearts. I remember one year ago this month, God speaking that to me. 
Randall, you're not believing me. You're not trusting me. You're afraid of things that you shouldn't be afraid of. I needed it. And it made me stronger. But it happens through uncomfortable questions, through unconventional answers, through unforeseen circumstances. Right? God, God uses those types of things to help us to see to the bottom, to see the truth of what we really need. I remember one time uh, my, my mom got me a gift for Christmas, and, and I had been asking her, I said, Mom, I really want this watch. really want a fossil watch for Christmas. And uh, I was just like putting all my hope, all my trust in this like really need this watch. My mom's going to come through. She's going to get this watch. So my mom got me this gift for Christmas. I remember going uh, and opening the gift. I'm like, this doesn't look like a fossil watch, right? Like from the outside, you're like kind of looking and seeing, is this, is this it? Um, and I, and I opened it up and it wasn't a fossil watch. It was a pair of like bugle boy jeans, that I, I would never have worn, wanted, right, from Kohl's. And I remember uh, looking at the jeans and just being infuriated. <laughs> like, Mom, do you know me at all? Like, wh- like why did you give me these jeans? And um, <laughs> what that was, for me, became a heart check. I cared more about the gift than I did my mom. And so I remember God just speaking that to me. Like, you care more about the watch than you do about your mom right now. And some of us need to hear that, right? Like, we need to hear that we care more about that gift or that thing or whatever it is that we're looking for than we do about the thing that really matters most. And so that's why we need a heart check. And these guys needed a heart check because they're focus and direction, they were sad, upset, depressed about the wrong things. They were, they were upset. They needed to be checked on that. And God does that. Jesus does that. Just like he does for these guys, he does that for us. The last one is we need moments. We need moments. Moments where we step, step back and see Jesus. And so what was it for them? Opening the scriptures, seeing Jesus. How does it happen for us? Through times of silence, through unstructured time, in a crazy, busy culture, through opening up and seeing Jesus in God's word and saying yes, through experiencing Jesus in community with other people, Eugene Peterson says this, and I think this is really helpful for us. He says, Sabbath is that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. Do you have that? Because those are the moments that you need. Just like these guys had to distance themselves from what they thought and what they saw to spend some time with Jesus, you're going to need the same thing. You're going to need to spend time with him as well. And so when we slow down to have moments with Jesus, here's what's going to happen. 
our hearts become bigger. Our eyes for who we see God as become larger. It's like in Prince Caspian when uh, Aslan uh, is speaking with Lucy, the little girl, and she says this, Aslan, you're bigger. And what Aslan says is, that is because you are older, little one. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. It's when your heart is enlarging, when you see Jesus and who he is, that God will become bigger in your life. You'll have moments with him where your heart becomes bigger. And so what if our anticipation turned from lesser things to Jesus? Let me ask these questions as we wrap up. Would it be different with family this year? Would it be different with the way you spend your money this year? Would it be different with the level of stress and anxiety that you face? Because Jesus is calling out in the scriptures, come to him, because here's the deal. The reason he did it is so that you can see him more clearly for who he is. He's not a distant God, abstract, out there. He's a God that came here to be with us. But not only that, to sacrifice himself for us. And here's what he says in John 5, 39 through 40. You search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you will have life. Are you going to other things to receive life? Or are you coming to Jesus to find out that he's the only life you ever need? Let's go to him this holiday season. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that we will see you for who you are, for what you've done. We'll see you all through scripture. I just pray, God, that you open our hearts, our minds to see that. And to know that, God, you're, you're, you're all throughout this book. But we need you to point yourself out to us because a lot of times we don't see it. We miss it. And so we need your Holy Spirit, Lord, to fill us, to help us, to guide us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.